You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Welcome to 3 a.m. 3 a.m. 3 a.m. Where we discuss and dissect the supernatural. What's the scariest thing you've encountered? That's been one of our favorite questions for years. 3 a.m. is the result of asking this question over and over again. Stories we share are typically sourced from those we know, our listeners, or personal experience. The validity of which can be determined by you, the listener. While we might not have all the answers, we find the culture and lore surrounding paranormal events and unnatural occurrences fascinating. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. What's up, guys and girls? This is a 3 a.m. podcast. My name is Sean. My name is Charlie. My name is DJ. And we're just a couple friends. We tell scary stories, sometimes have hot takes on things, sometimes not so so hot. But we always got hot jokes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> So, uh, how you guys been? Bro, did you see that shit I sent you on IG about the employees with Disneyland? What? No. Oh, yeah, dude. I did see that. Dude. The uh, whole, like, people that got arrested, dude? Let me let, DJ didn't see it, so I'm going to read it for you. Okay. Disney World employees among 17 people arrested in Flora, Florida child predator sting. Damn. Bro. Dude, happiest place happiest on earth. Happiest place on earth. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> That's wild, but unsurprising. I know, man. It's like the sharks follow the blood in the water. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it kind of makes sense. If you create a park <laughs> where the sole purpose is to lure children, then you're going <laughs> to have people damn, that's sus, bro. waiting that's and what, taking, taking a, a full advantage of that. Oh, true. It's true. like. Uh, Disney marketing team is like we must lure the children <laughs> uh, it's just crazy it's sad like you go there to have a good time you're not thinking about predators and then you have this shit come out so like I don't know ruins the magic okay bro so one time I was at Disneyland not world but Disney nonetheless and it was like around Christmas so they're doing their whole Christmas parade and we as a family like me and my family were like hey we got to get a picture so we like line up to take the picture and there's someone missing my littlest sister is not there. Oh. So naturally, we're like, the f***? We all start like run. Well, we have the body system, of course. Dude, one of so these freaking employees. The body or the buddy system? Okay. Oh, sorry. I'm dropping lines from go. heavyweights, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the buddy system, like running off to find her. Eventually, we did. So nothing like this. Oh. But still, that was like terrifying. Oh, yeah. Like losing someone in a group. And she was like, she was like nine at the time. Dude, did you ever get lost in like a grocery store with your mom? Uh, Once. That shit is traumatic. <laughs> I still can vividly remember we were in Food for Less, which had like the slickest floors in the world. So I'd glide around, pretend I was like, didn't even Batman have or to something. pretend like you had Heelys. You had them for real. For, honestly. <laughs> so I was like gliding up and down the aisles. And all of a sudden I look around, my mom is gone. <laughs> and it's crowded. It's like near the holidays or something. I've never been more scared in my life. I run around. It's like hundreds of people pushing carts every which way. And I see my mom kind of far off. And I was like, oh. and I run up and I jump on her cart because oh, I always shit. rode on the front. <laughs> and I was like, mom, I thought I lost you. And I looked up into this foreign Asian lady's face, <laughs> not my mom. And I was like, oh, oh. 
I just like jumped <laughs> off and ran away. Eventually, I found my mom, but I still like think of that, bro. Bro, you know what the like most stressful thing in a grocery store as a kid is? Huh. Is you're lined up, you're getting up to the cash register, and your mom's like, "Oh, I forgot something. I have to go and grab it." Oh, yeah. They're like, "Just wait here. <laughs> just wait here." Like, because they don't want to lose their spot in line, and the guy starts scanning you get stuff. Speedy Gonzalez. He's like, beep, 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 beep. beep. And you're like, <laughs> you're like, oh, shit. What am I going to do when he finishes? <laughs> I don't have any money to pay for any of this. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. No. She I, finally gets back with the dinos, and you're like, oh, God. <laughs> I was a really sociable kid, and it was problematic. So my mom had to constantly watch me. Uh, because I would just go and talk to strangers. And like, she's like, can I get in your van? Introduce myself. <laughs> Y'all got free candy in there? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's so funny. Kalima, you were telling me about like a hotel or something? Oh, yeah. By the way, folks, Kalima's in the building. Shout Back. Out. Finally. Yeah. I, I was actually in Florida at Disney. Oof. So it's kind of freaking me out that oh, there are Dude, this all countries. happened while you were there, bro. Yeah. What, for real, uh, it might have. You went strictly for Disney? Yeah, we, we spent two days Disney and one day Universal. Okay. 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 Um, Disney's that big. Oh, there. it's huge. You could spend two weeks there easy. Really? Two yeah. weeks? Yeah. Bro, I'm going weeks. in October. Yeah. Bro, Disney you World's like s- bigger than Oahu, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we, so Wait, we, so Disney Disneyland in California, how how small is that there's in two comparison parks. to? Florida, like, it's gnarly. Disney bought a ton of land and was just like, we're going to, I think it has a few zip codes. That kind of had a few zip codes. That's like a ludicrous song. (laughs) (laughs) I got parks and area 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 code. Yeah. Um, They uh, the Disney there. I feel like they they built it to kind of like balance out the uh, the forces of Florida. Like with everything else happening in Florida, Florida men running rampant everywhere. Dude, an opposite in all things. The hurricanes. Yeah. uh, Disney was the only force that they could uh, use to balance it, but. Or did that shit start when Disney came? Oh shit! Oh, big conspiracy, shoot, dude. You're... Walt is uh, Florida man. <gasps> oh, <laughs> the, the OG confirmed. Wait, what are the parks there? So there's four parks. They have Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Animal Kingdom, and Hollywood Studios. What? Okay, yeah, yeah. What is each park, bro? It's there's a lot. Like at every park, it's what is Magic Wait, isn't Kingdom? Isn't there like an Animal Kingdom too? Yeah, yeah. He said that. Oh, That's shit. just a zoo. Oh, I'm thinking Magic. Animal Kingdom, Kingdom is like. They have like a legit safari. Like yeah. you go on a safari. A zoo safari? They have like, like rhinos. a hunting surf- safari? <laughs> yeah, yeah they dude. Give you guns and, um, That's tight. Magic Kingdom is like the OG one with the big castle. Okay. So okay, like okay. regular Disneyland. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Isn't there an Epcot? Is that yeah, a thing? Yeah, yeah. Epcot's what based is Epcot? off of like the World <laughs> Fair. All I know is that it's a huge golf ball. Yeah. yeah. Is got, it in the ball? It's a dome? There's a ride in the ball. Yeah. Oh. Huh. I think it's a roller coaster. I don't know if it's still going right now. Huh. What That's is wild. the so if Magic Kingdom is regular Disneyland, Epcot is what? It's basically based after the World's Fair. Like What's the oh, World's yeah. Fair. Yeah. They used to do that shit when like they World had like market. No, like the world would come together and be like, this is the latest and greatest in science. Technology and all of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like they discovered like, like the Geneva Convention. <laughs> yeah. But they try to market it to children. Yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, yeah, they, they design it to market to <laughs> children and the parents that are gonna be with them. So you got the adult food, which is really why I'm going. Just hella food. Don't they have a sus ass like restaurant in uh, Florida? It's like mad in racist. Florida, in Florida or Disneyland, Florida. But like, Bro, that's Disney a big World. state. I don't know. Continue, continue with Epcot or this is in Disney World. <laughs> it's restaurant. like it's like a throwback to like the slave era, and it's a restaurant. 
in Epcot? I'm 90% sure. We got to Google it. This Racist is the new technology we have. Yeah. Humans. <laughs> <laughs> Faster, stronger, smarter. <laughs> Look up like racist restaurant in in uh, <laughs> Disney World. Um, popular ride. Did you come across it, or did you just? I don't think so. No. Did it just feel normal Gosh, to you? <laughs> <laughs> this feels right. Um, either. Oh, all right. Never mind. <laughs> either or. What do you do? Epcot has rides too. Yeah. Like have rides, food. They come together and they say these are the world's newest technologies. No, that's the World's Fair. You asked the what that was. That used, oh, like a, okay. that used to be a thing that like, actually was designed happened. after that. So yeah. what do you do there? More rides, food. There's basic. a bunch of rides, and there's like a giant circle, and every section has like a different country. What are they? Oh, oh so the yeah, because they have like different countries. Yeah, a lot of more. And they have like, like food from that country too in the same like area. Villages. Oh, what is Almost that? like. Dude, it's, it's like when it's do like, the Tahitians dance? <laughs> It's like we're in uh, East Berlin now. Yeah. Oh, but like in there's there. a wall too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like no potatoes with your uh, no fries with That's your burgers Ireland? here. Oh. Like we're in Ireland. Yeah. You're just hungry as hell. Yeah. <laughs> you have to go to the America Village to yeah. get the fr- the French fries. Did you have a fun time, Kalima? I did. Yeah, but they do. They are having a new Star Wars themed resort. Oh, resort. Interesting resort. So not a park. No. Okay. But this thing is gnarly. So you show up, and the idea is that you're staying on a galactic cruiser. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. So you sit down in a room, and they, like, put you on a shuttle into space. Like, all the rooms have big windows that look out into space. Like, everything is mm. themed off of it. So, it, like, a screen? Bro, you're getting closer to space than Jeff Bezos in that thing. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah. So oh, okay. I think it's a I think it's a two day stay. Oh, I did hear about the food. Oh, wait, there, too. It's yeah, go back to, to the food, sketch, dog. bro. It's we're supposed to look like alien food, but it's like I know the one in Disneyland Ooh. has like that, okay, that blue milk or yeah, 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 yeah. They got like also like the a burger that has like a green bun or something, just so it looks like all alien. That's just a Krabby Patty, <laughs> right? It probably is. They acquired so, SpongeBob. Two days. Guess how much? It's it's a two day stay. Yeah, thirty two hundred dollars. Oh, that's a good guess. Uh, I want forty five hundred. I'd I'd say uh I'd say forty five hundred and one. So, <laughs> so price is right. Do you have a guess, Sean? I said forty five hundred. Preliminary the pre- preliminary price right now, before they've even started construction, six grand. <gasps> Holy hell, dude! For two days. For how many people? One people's? I don't know. One people's. Oh my gosh! Per person? We don't know. I think it's a package, like a package. Who has that budget? A two infinity and beyond Dude, budget. I'm not a lot lie. of people I have saw, that budget. It's not us. I saw, <laughs> it's not that crazy. Straight up, I saw an Airbnb in Mexico that was a mansion that came with a chef, an activity planner, houses 25 people for 1000 a night. <gasps> That's... You could do that for straight up a whole week. <laughs> in Mexico? In Mexico, dude. You just got to gamble your life there, though. Yeah. Nah, yeah, dude, you chill. You chill. I Dude, think it, it ties into this whole deal where, like, space is the new, like... Fetish? It's Frontier. a new club. Like, nobody else has been in space. Like the Bezos, That's, like, the... Star Trek, don't they say uh, it's the last frontier? Final frontier. Final, yeah. frontier, Final frontier. frontier. You just said that shit. Oh, did you? Damn. <laughs> I, I whispered it, I said, dude. I said it better, though. <laughs> I was just, you know, incepting you. Huh. That's crazy. Have you guys heard about, like... 
the secret. We've talked about like the secrets in Disneyland where the guy went around and like hid coins and he hid like 10 coins and some of them were so obscure and he came back the next day and like nine of them were found and gone. What? Like they meticulously clean. Hmm. Crazy stuff like that. That's wild. There's like hidden restaurants, hidden clubs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did what hear is about it? Yeah. Like Club 33 or something? Yeah. Uh, something like that. Bro, that what do you club. do? You just pay money to get into it? A ton of money. I think or is starting, it like, first year fee is like 20 or 30 grand. Holy hell. That's uh, toxic levels of like Disney adult. Wait, so, but, okay. like, but like, what do they do in the club? You just be rich. You just laugh. Network just, and shit. Yeah. That's it? Burn money. I'm paying Whistle 30, while that, you work. Oh my gosh. Uh, bro. Cosplay. Uh, spicy, dangerous area. What are your thoughts on adults who love the shit out of Disney? <laughs> I think that to each their own. I think there's varying levels. There is varying levels, too. It's very prevalent where, we're, where we live right now. Yeah. 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 Utah? Utah, Utah's a hotbed for, for Disney adults. Everybody got Disney stickers on their cars. Yeah, when you start putting a stickers on your car of Disney... I think you've gone a little far. But, but like, if you're putting stickers on your car of anything, does that mean you also gone too far? Like I, the people who have their stick so. fit your family oh, too far yeah. for their family? Hell yeah. <laughs> Don't wreck your family. <laughs> we know a lady who paid a muralist to come into four rooms in her house. In her kitchen is like Disneyland, the castle. In her kids, each of their room, they have all these murals painted. Like her entire life is Disney. Every time she gets a free day, she goes to Disney, like flies to Disney. That's I mean, her whole that's life. probably a little excessive. <laughs> <laughs> to each their own, but that's some nerd shit. I mean, we nerd about it? conspiracy theories, so we probably the same in their eyes, but different. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Is it worth it? I don't know. It's a, it, that's up to her. Yeah. Like to what, me? What, Hell no. Nah. <laughs> not worth it? Not for me. Dude, that same lady who's obsessed with Disney, <laughs> she used to be a manager of mine. Oh, I know who this is now. <laughs> she straight up said out loud she doesn't consider the non-white princesses Disney princesses. What? <laughs> so she's like, I mean, she's like, I don't like I mean, Mulan. I don't like. She named all the brown princesses, <laughs> and everyone's like, so you like the white ones? And she's like, huh? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and we're like, whoa! Oh my god! She just like didn't see the issue with that. <laughs> That's so cringe, dude. Yeah, she's still working. She'll get canceled. Anyway, that's enough of Disney. <laughs> that's you, it? You should just add her name. Bleep it if you want. But Kelly, you know who you are? Oh! Uh, dude, Disney Channel original movies, though. Did y'all ever watch them? Lit, bro. I straight Didn't up remember. Did y'all ever watch them? <laughs> Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> I remember. Sean even watched them. Yeah, yeah. dude. <laughs> we even saw those in homeschool. Oh, bro. Dude, what the? <laughs> They probably had a Disney Channel original movie on homeschool. It was like, dude, they probably did. <laughs> uh, I remember going home from friends' houses to be like, dude, sorry, like, don't look under the beds about to drop. You know, like, <laughs> Brink is about to drop. I gotta go. Oh, you know? dude, I remember Brink, legit Johnny like, Johnny Tsunami, bro. Uh, do you know there's a Johnny Tsunami too? Yeah, back on board yeah, with Johnny Capahala. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, there was one night Seth and I stayed up till like 3 a.m. Shit, I didn't even do that on purpose. Uh, <laughs> And we we got we were kind of like OCD and weird kids, and we got really stuck. We had to name every Disney Channel original movie we could, and we got all but eight. All but eight, dude. Keep in mind, this is like I don't know if I could a- name eight. 
Bro, we went so deep. Like hours. High school musical one through four is gonna be four of those. <laughs> Do you remember like Smart House? Oh, oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Halloween dude, Town. Halloween Town uh, one, one, two, two three, Calabar's Revenge, bro. <laughs> the thing is there uh, there were a few things Alley that, Cat Strike, sorry. <laughs> that made you feel uh like the like Disney original movies made you feel, especially like when the intro was starting. Kids are doing like backflips. Oh and shit, shit! Into like from like the, the film reels. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, dude. When that was starting, uh, my my heart just fully just, bricked. Yeah, your heart. <laughs> Twitter painting. Yeah. Dude. And then on the Monday, going back to school and like having discussions. Oh yeah, just the hottest takes. It's like <laughs> I know he's thirteen, but like if I became a leprechaun, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was like lucky something. My thirteenth year motocross. You remember that motocross? Oh, you motocross. wouldn't be allowed to make today. Bro, I, half, I was like half the movies <laughs> would not. Be, oh, true. Half of all movies and media uh, would not pass today. So funny. What else is there, dude? I don't know. It's funny because it, there's like a clear line drawn between like our generation Disney and the next generation Disney. Like people will be talking about like Bandcamp. Yeah, uh, Camp oh, Rock. Camp yeah, Rock was kind of fire. No what that is. Camp. I don't know, but bro. we all had to think about it. That was kind uh, of fire, though. Is Zoe One Hundred and One Disney? I don't. Or is that Nick? I, I have no Either idea. Either or, too. like it was all meshed into one thing. But like Sweet Life with Zach and Cody. Okay, that but was after also me. unrelated, kind of related. Like the cartoons on Cartoon Network when we were watching Cartoon Network versus now. I'm always like, the fuck is this? Like in what way? Which ones? Oh, okay, actually. Oh, shit. The, the one I'm thinking of is actually also Disney. So it's not even Wait, cartoon, you're cartoon cartoons that you used to watch compared to now. You look at the ones now and you're like, what the hell is this? Like on Cartoon Network. Yeah. Specifically, like there was one where all of these weird animals were in a house and they're like imaginary friends or something like that. DJ looks ready to attack your thoughts. No, I'm just saying <laughs> the cartoons we watched were strange too. I mean, Scooby Doo. Uh, real monsters. Like is, Do you remember that? Nah. I remember the dude with the hairy pits. Hairy pits. That's carrying his me, eyeballs. What the? Yeah, uh, that was Nick though. Rocco's Modern Life. Nick. Ren and Stimpy. Nick. There were just a bunch of yeah. Nick was like the risque version of Disney that like uh, traditional parents wouldn't let their kids watch. Dude, my like, mom would not let my sisters watch Rugrats because she thought Angelica was too bratty. Bro, my, <laughs> that's my smart. wife. The same deal. Yeah, like she wasn't allowed to watch yeah, it. Yeah, her mom was like, "No, you're not watching that." Yeah. That's hilarious. Rugrats, that is funny. My girlfriend yeah, wasn't Rugrats. allowed to watch a SpongeBob growing up. What, dude? Now like six year olds sing songs about eating ass on TikTok and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's like parents gave up, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember on uh, Nickelodeon they would have like the obstacle course? Like you find the flag in the nose and you pull like the goo. Was that? And oh, guts. What was that called? Um, like splooge or something. <laughs> splooge. Uh, splurge, surge, surge is also Dude, surge. of our era. Lasted okay, so all but two years. I didn't watch a whole lot of TV growing up, so what I did watch was probably the most mainstream, hmm. meaning like Scooby Doo, yeah. or like Dragon Ball Z. I think it is called or Guts. Like, Sorry, <laughs> oh, it could be. Did you know Scooby Doo the movie in the two thousands was uh, written and originally filmed to be rated R? No what? Yeah. Wait. Yeah, that's that sounds like no. I'm dead ass. Like uh, Velma and Daphne both had like titties, dude, <laughs> straight up, and uh, they had okay, to I'm like What's up? CGI all of that out. Uh, CGI that out. The one with yeah, Sarah like they did Michelle with, uh, Herbie. 
Herbie, uh, uh, Herbie Fully Loaded. They had to like. They had to CGI stuff out for that? <laughs> they had to uh, like uh, CGI or like reduce the size of. Bro, Lindsay are Lohan's you talking about breath. the Scooby Doo that came out on Pornhub, not on no, freaking I'm, TV? I'm talking about the, the actual Scooby Doo. It was supposed to be rated R. Um, but there is subtle parts uh, in the final cut that are very intentional that only an adult like would adult? understand. Uh, like in the beginning, they open up the van and only Scooby and uh, Shaggy Shaggy are in there. Don't disrespect and, my childhood. Uh, they're playing music from the radio and it's past, past the duchy. The party late. Yeah, yeah, there's smoke coming out and you're yeah. like, oh, they're getting super high. And then you open it and they're just like grilling sausages. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kalima's finding something on the rated R Scooby movie. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I see some of the images popping up, bro. We need to uh, petition to get that rated R cut out. Yeah, <laughs> release that shit. It's twenty twenty one. Who throttled that? I don't know, dude. Deep probably, state, bro. The probably deep some state. like mommy blogger. The mommy blogger. It's probably everyone who loves Disney. <laughs> they would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for those mommy <laughs> bloggers. Uh, true. <laughs> Let's start. Let's <Yeah>. start. <laughs> Where the hell are we? Give me our dice. All right, now we roll our twenty-sided die. Okay, now we roll our twenty-sided die to determine in what order we tell our stories. Highest number goes first. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light, lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you are needing, if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, we want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet. Uh, go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3am and you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3am. Something is introduce you to Barry Clue, an authorised financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity. He was a very uh, knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. Type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you. Now you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy and you'd be right. Well, right up until the point when you're wrong. It was all fictitious. You stole from my son who has a disability. Chris never knew. He died believing that we're all taken care of. A psychopath is somebody who lacks empathy, acts impulsively. I think there's a strong case that Barry might be all of those things, actually. To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S. In the roll. I got a 10. Charles got a 3. Deej got a 1. Bro. <laughs> oh, no. oh, no. 
We really should come up with something for critical roles. We probably should. All right, guys, I'm starting this out tonight. I have a story from a listener who submitted other stories before, and he's got some fire ones. It's our homie, Dan Smith. Whoa. Yeah. Return of the Dan, bro. Return of the Dan, bro. So he shared this a little bit ago, and he said the first wilderness— Actually, let me just really quick recap who Dan is. Um, Caveman Dan. Caveman Dan. He's the one who told the story of West Desert— he was out on one of those. What are those called? Like a like a youth, like a, a youth, problem youth, like camp, camp or something. Yeah, basically holes without the holes. Uh, well, <laughs> basically these problem youth camps, and they had some run-ins with stalkers, cults, basically that kind of stuff out in West Desert in Utah. And he took us out there. He took us out here. It was like what February, maybe. Yeah, and it was. It was kind of out there. It was pretty sweet. We were a little lost for a minute, but we we, we made it. Um, anyways, his story. He is talking about the first wilderness program that he worked on. And he said it was out in Jarbridge and Bruno Wilderness Area, which is, I think, edge of Idaho, like on the border of Idaho, Nevada. And Dan said that he, while he was working out here, Heard the legend of Sitika, S-I-T-E-C-A-H. Sitika. Sitika. Or the red-haired giants that lived in Nevada nearly 2,000 years ago. So, they're legends. The ginger cryptids. To the ginger cryptids, bro. Soulless monsters. (laughs) But really, though. Anyways. Um, Their legends were passed down by oral tradition in the Paiute tribes. So these have come down for 2,000 years, and they used to live in the Nevada desert, or it may not even have been desert at that time. The giants were apparently terrifying, and they would harass the Paiute tribes and capture their victims to then eat them. So these cannibalistic red-haired giants living out in the middle of Nevada doing their thing. Now, the Sitika also translate to tool eaters, T-U-L-E, which is basically like a like a cattail, like reed type uh. situation. And the reason for that is they're said to have lived in these huts that they built out of like these cattails on Lake Humboldt in Nevada before it dried up. So they, these huts they built out of the reeds were out in the middle of the lake. Now, in this Sitika tribe, there weren't as many in the tribe, but they were giant, and that's kind of why they brought trouble to the Paiute Nation, because there's a bunch of different tribes in the Paiute Nation. They were just bigger, and that's why they kind of caused all these troubles. So after generations of battling the red-haired cannibal giants, the Paiutes are like, we've had enough. And so they go out to all of their tribes within the area, and they basically send out this rallying cry to go against the red-haired giants. Depending on what like story or record or legend you listen to, one of them says that even the war lasted for months, 
as they're coming after these red-haired giants trying to just destroy them off the face of the earth. And as the war is coming to an end, the last of the giants are driven to one of their last strongholds in the middle of Nevada. Just outside of Lake Humboldt, there's a cave. Now, this cave in modern day is called Lovelock Cave. And they basically have this stronghold in the cave and the Paiutes are not trying to go in. They're not trying to go in to fight them in their own territory. So they're blocking them inside the cave and they demand that the giants come out and face them. And the giants refuse, (laughs) obviously. Now, afraid that the giants would resurface sometime in the future, they're afraid to let them just live. So the Paiute nation stack up trees and brush and all of these flammable materials in front of the cave. And in one fell swoop, launch hundreds of fiery arrows off into this brush to burn the giants alive and suffocate them within their cave. So they light this entrance on fire and basically kill off the giants. Not long after, I don't know, years or so, apparently there was an earthquake that then closed off the entrance to this cave. And actually, Kalima, do you want to pull up the cave real quick? It's one of my images. This is Lovelock Cave. And this is modern day too. So like you can see where there's a lot of like rubble out there in front of the cave, even still. Now, as time passed, the giants kind of just faded into legend for the Paiute people and were all but forgotten in this oral tradition. However... The one thing that still lived in the caves were bats. So the bats, after even the uh, earthquake closed up essentially the cave, there's still small entrances and everything going into it. In the early 1900s, so now we're getting closer to our time period now. Early 1900s, some of the settlers in the area notice thousands of bats coming and going from this cave. And at the time, bats are basically used for their guano because at the time that was used for gunpowder, it was like a key element in making gunpowder. So the local people are like, we're seeing thousands of bats come and go in this cave. There's got to be guano in there, basically a gold mine of guano, basically. So they decide to unearth the cave. So they start opening it up, and that's how you see kind of the boulder field as it is right now. Wait, the bats were going... Tons of bats were going in and out of the cave. Yes. And how did they deduce that there was gold in it? Sorry. Bat guano, which is as good as gold. Yeah. Bat droppings. Bat droppings. It's as good as gold? Back in the day, yeah. It was yeah. very valuable. There's been wars, wars fought over, over guano. guano. Because it's used in they making They went bat shit crazy? That's where the term <laughs> exactly. comes from. Really? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Uh, why? Like, is it like a source of uh, fuel? Well, he said it's. They use it for gunpowder. I've heard it's, it's used for like uh, fertilizer or something. It, th- so there's Can a specific element that's in it. Here, let me. Um, they like hell and needed it before like they invented something. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Let's see. That's where the term "batshit crazy" comes from. It's not. Damn, that one. I'm good. Yeah. So, <laughs> it was used for nitrogen because guano has is a great source of nitrogen. So I think Oppenheimer or no, wait, someone came up with a way to like pull nitrogen out of the air. So until then, yeah, back guano was like basically gold. what you would use. Yeah. Yeah. 
So like all the settlers seeing thousands of bats come and go from this cave, they're like, basically it's a gold mine for them because it's going to be worth a lot of money. Now they unearth the cave and they start heading in. And first of all, yeah, they find hella guano in there. But along with that, they start to find tons of artifacts, artifacts that were that belonging to the red haired giants that were just preserved in this cave because it had collapsed. Which is insane. The first time we ever heard of giants were the ones in Afghanistan. Also and they were in a cave. And redheaded. Dude. Dude, you're really a dying race. Bro, I am, bro. You know? But we've never heard of giants on American soil. Uh, well, yeah. Not on the podcast. Outside of like Bigfoot, which I don't know if. There's the mounds over like oh, yeah, near the Great Lakes that people reckon are giant. Well, one, one uh, skeleton was unearthed that was, what, nine feet tall or something like that? And I can't remember what they called it. Uh, but basically it was like, I want to say it was like in Illinois or like Iowa or something. Any on the West Coast? Well, the closest would be here in Lovelock, um, Nevada. Why are the why is the baseball team? The Giants. Is there giants? any credence to that? Well, there's Giants in New York too, bro. I don't know. Oh, damn. <laughs> Two sports. I love it. <laughs> I love all the sports. Just the sports, bro. <laughs> But anyways, basically they find all these artifacts and they're in it for the money. So they could care less. There's this company that basically materializes in the area to just go in and mine the guano and they don't care about the artifacts. So it's basically being discarded. However, once archaeologists hear about the discovery, they went in to kind of go and preserve the artifacts, do a little more studying and figure out what it is that they had found. And even though a ton of artifacts were discarded, it said that thousands of artifacts were still like maintained. Two of the most famous things that were found in the cave were two bodies of mummified giants. One being eight feet tall and the other one, six foot five. They believe the eight foot one was the man. The six foot five was the woman. And I have a couple of pictures here to kind of show you. Bro. Yeah. It's so big. You can't even see that. The screen cropped it. Damn. <laughs> these giants were huge. They, they were so big, bro. There's not enough pixels for these guys. <laughs> but basically, it's like eight feet tall if you can imagine. There you go. Oh, there terrifying. You go, dude. Yeah. Dude, so scary. Um, Them legs, G. Dude, legs for days. Dude, I like, I like me some long legs, you know? <laughs> so basically, you find two bodies within the cave of Lovelock, the Lovelock Cave, and additionally, in 1931, more remains were found in the dried-up Lake Humboldt, just close by the cave. And these were even bigger. What is that a baby? I think so. so that's like the size of a human? Dude, it might be, bro. That's Either scary. way, it's giant. Mommy long leg. <laughs> Can't stop looking. <laughs> Later on, the two that they found in the lake, one was 10 foot tall and the other was eight and a half feet tall. So they find a couple of these remains. And even today, they have artifacts and like skulls at the Humboldt like museum, the local museum right around the area. And I don't know why Don Monroe was there, but I saw it on a bunch of pictures. Is that like... uh, They may have named it Don Monroe. But anyways... Essentially, this is the legend that Dan heard He's while now he was out in gone the- Monroe. 
true. True, bro. <laughs> um, this is the legend he heard. And like to this day, that's all we really know about them. I don't know if people even done like extended studies on the giants because you don't really hear about them. It's kind of this obscure thing. But at some point, just a state over, less than six hours away, there were red-haired giants just wandering around here. So they went into the cave and they just found out like skulls and you said artifacts. Artifacts. Um, I may have artifacts? actually, I might have like one what, of those what pictures. What kind of artifacts? Are you talking about like weapons? Oh, that's the intro. Yeah, they did actually like, find, they have like images here, but not a whole lot of artifacts. This one's kind of the wildest one right here. Like in my opinion, it shows the jaw of like a normal human versus the jaw of the Sitika. And that is, oh, huge. Dude, that's not real. No way. Cannibal giants of North America next to the cast what of a. What the hell? No way. Bro, if you run into these things in freaking middle of nowhere today, they're either playing basketball or you're dead. Bro, those are just Tongans now. <laughs> How big was Andre the Giant? Huge. Have you ever seen him carrying a beer can? Oh, there's a like giant versus like regular people. Um, oh my. That's terrifying. Is that bro. an actual skeleton? Like the the lady with the legs? I think so. Cause that was the one that was pulled up earlier, but just by itself. Dude, how is this not a, a bigger deal than it? I don't know. Like that's something that's like blowing me away. I didn't like I hadn't heard of these. Dude, a hundred and two <laughs> episodes, and we're only now hearing about these giants. Bro, I pretty have small a, deal to me. <laughs> I have a folder a of like folder? giant research I've been doing. Giant <laughs> porn. <laughs> Your folder that, that uh, Sitika erotica, bro. <laughs> you two need to grow up, okay? Real big, real big, real BBW. All hey. these giants. There's giants in evidence of giants in Vietnam, evidence of giants in Japan, evidence of giant giant giants in Japan are just like normal, normal, normal. Giant They're like five ten. <laughs> like holy shit, <laughs> holy shit, <Yeah>. holy shirt. <laughs> Uh, there's giant evidence of giants in Patagonia. Oh, I remember those ones. I've heard of those. And then Agartha. Agartha. Yeah, bro. Well, you can add the Sitika to your list. That's sick. But that's the story that Dan shared. And that's that's basically all that he heard in the legend. Dude, that's crazy. But it makes me want to go and check out like Lovelock Cave. You and, should. Like, why, did, why did nobody like weaponize the giants? They just want to kill all of them. I mean, it could threat because they were cannibals and eating them. Yeah, befriend them and be like, "Go eat that nation." Okay, you're right. You're right. Take those people for us, dude. The pen is mightier than the sword, but (laughs) nobody was smart back then. Now they're like, because if we took care of the giants, dude, they would be the alpha race. Oh, the Olympics would just be giants. Every country's giants fighting. Oh my, that'd be so sick. That would be wild. Giant households. I thought you were going to say, you know how they were like, they trapped them in the cave? Yeah. I thought you were going to say when they unearthed it, they were still in there. Oh. Because like redheads don't need sunlight. That's true. <laughs> we don't have souls to kill. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> oh, dude, I was ready for it. Uh, no, but that's basically it. So shout out to Dan for sharing yet another story. That's freaking wild. I've never heard of that. And it's so close. Yeah. So who the hell 
lives in Nevada, bro. <laughs> like, I get now that, like, Vegas is there, but other than that... Like, Reno? Every time I drive to Reno... It's on the edge, too. So, it's, like, in the middle of Nevada, nothing. Yeah. Nevada, nobody, nobody, the road, no, nobody fully nothing. commits to Nevada. Hell no. <laughs> like, I'm ready to dip as soon as I... Yeah, as soon as uh, another opportunity presents itself. Nevada's a cursed state, dude. It's strange. It's very cursed. Like, there Area is, 51. There are lawless, actual lawless uh, like trailer parks in the middle of Nevada. I imagine People when I was driving there. through it and like no cars for miles, it was a little like creepy, dude. Oh, hell yeah. Dark energy, bro. Like oh, with all the mob history, all the serial killer activity and shit out there. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that randomly Nevada has is more mountain ranges than any other state. Like if you look at like a topo map of Nevada, it's just line after line after line of like mountain ranges. So just ton of ton of like mountains, caves, creepy ass shit. It's just all of the above. Who settled there in the first place? Bro, that's Native where Americans the Donner thought, Party were headed. What terrible decision making. Native Americans, but like for uh Europeans, it was the Mormons and the mobsters, bro. The that's mobsters like, and Mormons? Yeah, that's like where who like founded Vegas and then aliens. Area 50, 51. True. True. Terrible. But like if you're a, a Native American growing, buck, growing up back in the day, it's like you had the option of growing up in California Pacific or Northwest. Nevada. Yeah. yeah that yeah. sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Pacific Northwest or High Uintas. Yeah. <laughs> Doo-doo. We should have moved. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. And what are redheads doing in Nevada? It's like the sunniest state in the world. <laughs> so actually, and I don't know where the redheads come from, in this story, the sense of the story, but I was reading a little bit on it and apparently there's something to do with like how the uh, air like contaminated the skulls and everything when they found it, that it made uh, it appear like they had red hair and that's where the legend comes from. I don't know if that's factual. That's just kind of what it seemed like. True or false, redheads are the last group of people you were allowed to openly shit on. True or false? The last group of people you can shit on? I feel like, like they're without the first, any repercussions. Dude. Nah. No, I'm saying like they're the last group you can shit on and no one will say anything. Nah. Oh, yeah. Who dude, where's, where's my rights here? The Amish. I talked about that last week. Can you just openly rip on Amish? People might be like, bro, come on. Take a stand for them? Come on, that's punching down. Nah, dude. Not at all. I mean I mean, with all the like the domestic abuse that they that oh, goes on through them. Oh. <laughs> just kidding. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, they won't. That you're not getting any pushback. You're not. You're not going to get any pushback from them. No, yeah, you're right. So that's true. Okay, fine. Redheads and Amish people. Imagine being a redhead Amish. Oh, well, <laughs> dude, dude, that is LeBarn James. The bottom, the bottom of society. <laughs> Crazy, bro. I love that. That was awesome. Yeah, no, that was a cool story. And shout out to Dan for once again delivering. Yeah. Okay. So, are they giants are real? Giants are real. Like we have, um, well, I mean, as as real as dinosaurs are because we have bones of them too. So. How big was Andre the Giant? Huge. For real. Dude, he had to been like eight foot maybe. Seven foot four. Seven four. He was small, bro. What's the he top? was wide. Yeah, he was. Yeah, like, I think that's also part of it. Like when you look at his hand. I feel like the tallest the size of a cinder man block. that like recently has been like nine, nine feet. Yeah. But those. What's the tallest? It's in meters. What the frick? Eight foot eleven. Ooh, that's close. That's tall, bro. Their head is out of this freaking room. I'm terrified. Do you think they were mad that they weren't nine foot? 
Oh, 100%. Dude, it's like how all dudes put their height as six foot on uh, dating apps if they're like 5'11". How, <laughs> how do you know what all guys do on oh, dating Oh, sorry. Apps? I was talking to my sister <laughs> the other day and swiping for her because yeah. she doesn't want to swipe for herself. <laughs> I got her hella matches, though. Just saying. Bro, that pose. That's the effing redheaded monster or redheaded giant from the picture. Straight up. That's the uh, oh. That's the house help in uh, Adam's family. Oh, you rain. What is his name? <laughs> like Glurch or something? Lurch. Lurch. There it is. That's wild. That's terrifying, bro. Crazy. But that's me for tonight, guys. Thanks, dude. Yeah, no. That was a, it was a fun one to read about. Sweet. So I'm up? Yep. Yes, sir. All right. So I left everyone hanging <laughs> last week, and we're going to finish that story. I'll catch uh, Kalima up real quick. So it is 1965, 1966, in the South Pacific. An Aussie man is out in the middle of nowhere testing some fishing equipment when he sees looming out of the dark an island. And curious, he grabs his binoculars and he looks at the island and he's like scanning the cliff sides. And on the lush green cliffside, he sees evidences of fires. And he thinks this is weird because fires don't randomly break out on tropical islands. So as he's watching and as he's looking around, a dark figure steps out of the bush, shaggy black hair, naked, staring at him. He's staring at it. It makes its way down a little bit to the cliff, leaps off the cliff into the water. Startled, him and his crew watch as this figure swims, starts swimming towards his boat. So he yells at everyone. Everyone pulls up the ladder, pulls up the ropes. They're all scared. And as this is happening, several more figures are coming out onto the cliffside and they start screaming. They see the body or the, the figure swim up and then disappear to the side of the boat. And they hear, help. We need your help. And this is where I cut it off and I was like, <laughs> all right, I'll finish the next rest next week. We are in the South Pacific, specifically the kingdom of Donga. Mm. <laughs> Malo Lele. Malolele. Hey. Tefe hake. Saipei. Saipei, malo. Uh, you can pull up the first. They're specifically at the island of Ata. This island is southwest or east of the, the main island of Tonga. And this island has like a crazy history. Before we get into that, DJ, your dad is from Tonga. You've been to Tonga. Tell us about it. What's it like? What's the culture? What is the term fob? <laughs> it's been almost 18 years since I've been. So my memory is pretty uh, pretty faded. But I didn't really see the poverty. I don't think I was old enough to recognize any of it. I do remember at staying at my grandparents' house, which is the house they've always been in. Animal Farm animals coming in and out of the house. It's just normal. I thought it was the coolest thing, man. Like it made me think of Jumanji, you know. Uh, catching our dinner, whether it was fishing. I remember going out with my dad and uh, all his brothers and my grandpa, and we were fishing with uh, 
you ever use that like ghetto rig where it's like a soda can and like the fishing line? Have you ever seen that? No. Oh, yeah. like where it's wrapped around the f- yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or like a, bo- a glass bottle and you like throw your line with the hook on it and you just reel it in with your hands. Yeah. Uh, I remember trying to catch like chickens and I was like running after them and all my cousins who I didn't, I, I can't speak Tongan. Yeah. They could barely speak English, but they were laughing, laughing, <laughs> laughing at me the whole time. You're slow. Yeah. <laughs> you're so slow. You're not smart. Yeah, you walk. And, Why you walk? Don't run. <laughs> but then, uh, yeah, my asthma all acting <laughs> yeah. up. We have um, no asthma. Yeah. <laughs> we have good lung. Yeah. Um, Your lung but shit. <laughs> they, uh, they were smart. They would set up traps. Like they set up a... Like a little, it was like a frame of two by four with chicken wire. It stand it up with a stick and then just put some uh, uncooked rice underneath and the chicken would come and they'd pull the, the, the stick with a string and catch it. And then that dinner. would be, a, a, no, straight up, that would be our dinner. We crawl under my, we went so we could see Tonga and also so my dad could see his grandma, uh, his grandma, uh, because she was, she was bedridden and it was, it was getting mm. close and she passed away a few, a few years later. Oof. But uh we would like sneak into grandma's house which was right next door and uh we would uh crawl under her bed <laughs> and we'd steal uh her snacks like peanut butter you're and dying just, grandmother yeah. snacks. <laughs> yeah. well That's my dad gave crazy. me the idea because he was like oh we would always steal like her snacks they're under her bed you should go look She's some like, of oh. my cousins <laughs> and you're like peanut butter <laughs> <laughs> crawl under the, the bed and, and steal her snacks but Tonga is a, a really beautiful island, and uh, it's very, I mean, like most of Polynesia, it's food and family, the most important things, and uh, also religion. They're very uh, God, God-fearing god people. Very traditional. Very traditional. Very cultural. Yeah, I remember uh, chopping wood for the fire to cook, and the axe was dull. <laughs> And I hurt myself with it. It like ricocheted off the wood and it went into my shin. Oh, and where you have like a thing for hurting your legs. <laughs> I, I, I went to my grandma who's still around and I was like, Grandma, I cut myself with an axe and she can speak some English. And she's like, Oh, oh, uh, I, I have something. She went outside, found like some herb or weed, like picked it, put it in her mouth, and she started chewing it for five minutes. And then she spit it out, and it came out looking like pesto. And she just put it on my wound. And, dude, I swear, in, like, three days, fully healed. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, like, no scab or anything. Like, Bro, all the Tongans I live with have stories like this. Yeah, yeah. They're like, I fell out of the coconut, and, like, bone is out of my arm. (laughs) And four days later, it's better. Like, no... No scar, and I'm like, what? Yeah, my, but they really do have some like healing magic, bro. Yeah, my dad uh, would talk about how uh, one of his brothers broke his leg or his ankle or something, and they would just massage it. They wouldn't take you to the hospital. They didn't have health insurance. Yeah, massage. And they would bro. just like press their thumb into like where you broke your bone and just massage it for hours every day. And after two weeks, you're walking, running. <laughs> playing rugby. Normal. Yeah, playing <laughs> rugby back at it again. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's a very simple way of life. You, yeah. you could say, I mean, I don't know about now, but back in the 60s, pretty primitive and super traditional. Yeah, I mean, 
it was uh we had electricity when i went but it was like two light bulbs in the house you know <laughs> so crazy like one in the kitchen and one in like mom and dad's bedroom and like that was it crazy some electric fans so that was in uh that was like the mid 2000s when, mm. when we K- went okay what does fob mean fob and why do we speak the way is, we speak sometimes? is applicable to uh almost every third world country or foreign country i'd say um non-english speaking country and it stands for fresh off the boat <laughs> and it's commonly used for uh polynesians and uh asians yeah there's a funny show called fresh off the boat oh uh, yeah um but it's basically uh like your mannerisms your tendencies and especially uh your language it's like not quite western <laughs> uh it's just broken western <laughs> like they're trying to accommodate to western lifestyles and language uh and culture but it's not quite there which is fine but it's also just so funny it's to like, so funny yeah, bro. <laughs> f- uh, fob like like speaking fob in like hawaii is like i don't know it's just something that everybody <laughs> it's it's i don't know it's it's funny it's, it's so funny. funny when i lived like, in australia it's like i lived in 90 percent uh samoan areas and yeah people trying to talk to you you just sit there it's it's like so genuine and sweet but it's the funniest thing in the world <laughs> they're just like you know you go have a good day and you're just like okay yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah yeah my dad's still a little fob uh i remember i was not a good student and the first time i got below a c it was a d and he's like is this a d on your report card I was like, yes. It's like, is D for Tom? <laughs> <laughs> Do I have a Tom son? <laughs> like, and every time he'd go on his rant, Kalima's looking away because he, <laughs> he knows my dad. Um, yeah, like every time he'd like uh, get angry at me and yell at me, I couldn't keep a straight face. <laughs> man's English was so bad. You I'm know? sure that helped. I was like, yeah, tell me about it, huh? <laughs> tell me about it. He's <laughs> grounded. Yeah. <laughs> uh tell the story when uh they were taking a photo and your little brother jumped in the photo and it was supposed to be all female photo oh, he's like all the girls in the front are in all the men in the back and like bubba just like sits in the front and he's like bubba it's you ladies <laughs> <laughs> it just uh, it's so strange it sounds it, it, if you've never heard especially like polynesian fob this is probably not funny but if, if you <laughs> are tuned out, they just turned it if off. If you're around it, dude, it's uh, such an integral part of our our culture and and humor and humor, yeah. and it's it's a huge reason why like everybody in uh, Hawaii like makes fun of each other. But it's all lighthearted, like yeah, nobody takes it love. seriously. Like everybody dishes it out, uh, yeah, and you just take it, <laughs> or you get a bunch, <laughs> get a bunch through the face. I got this story from. Uh, my favorite murder. Oh, sick! Yeah, and they have a ton of sources. I'll put them all in the show show notes and stuff like that. But yeah, this story comes from sixty minutes and and my favorite murder. All right, so this is where we're at. We're in Tonga, the island of Ata, and the island of Ata has a crazy history. It's a small volcanic island, and the beach is like tiny, and right, let's say like twenty yards off the beach is just like straight rocky cliffs. And actually, Tongan legend is the island of Ata is the first island that Maui and his brothers pulled out of the ocean. Hmm. The very first. 
and they pulled it out and it was so mountainous and they were like, man, we got to make this flat, like, easy to live on. So they tried to stomp it and uh, it was a lot of work. So they're like, F that. And they just left it <laughs> mountain. And when they pulled up the, the main island of Tonga, um, they were like, okay, this time let's do it carefully and let's make sure it's flat. So like people, so like the main island of Tonga, super flat. This one, 1300 foot cliffs, just like right there. The lowest part of the cliff is uh, like a thousand feet. Oh, that's so strange because the Tonga I know is flat. Like yeah. There are no, not even a hill. Yeah. And the main island in Tonga is tiny and it's the biggest one. <laughs> so this is <laughs> like, even tinier. Bro. To drive across from it's uh, the main island in Tonga is like a strip. And to drive from one end to the other takes 45 minutes, going, <laughs> growing 30 miles an hour. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> and it's everyone's tiny. like, slow it down. Yeah. <laughs> you speed. Yeah. <laughs> you mainland boy. Uh, so feel free to chime in with Fob anytime you want. Um, yeah, the island of Ata. So this is 1966. I believe in 1863, people used to live on this island. There was a population of 350 Tongans. And an Aussie fisherman was just down there, pulled up to the island, and it was like, oh, I know, I know what I'm going to do. And he kidnapped half the people, and he took them back and sold them into slavery. Oh, my gosh. So the king of Tonga. As, as one does. As an Aussie does. Yeah. <laughs> so King Tupo at the time, he's like, we're having none of that. Sent boats down there and made everyone leave this island and come up and be safer up near where everyone else was. So it was a completely abandoned island. And that's, uh, that's where we're at. Going back to the main island of Tonga. This is a year before that incident of the people with the boat and the thing swimming up to the boat, right? So this is a year before that. Mm -hmm. A year plus. Uh, 1965 in Nuku'alofa, which is like the main town on the main island of Tonga. There are six young Tongan boys. And they're they're between the ages of 13 and 16. Mm Mm-hmm. DJ, you want to pronounce these names? Or do you want me to do it? I want to hear you do it. Okay. Okay. So we have six friends between the ages of 13 and 16. The first one is Luke. Easy enough. Vei Koso. He's 16. Nope, he's 15. Uh, then there's Steven Fatai Latu, 16. Sione Fatuoa, 16. I'm, I'm just pretending now. And then there's David Tavita... Siolae, or Siolaa, rather, 13. He's the youngest. Kolo, Fekitoa, and Mano, Tatao, Tato, Tau. <laughs> Say that one. Good bro. job, dude. T O T A U. Totao. Totao. He's 15. So Luke, Steven, Sione, David, Kolo, and Mano. So, these are Tongan boys. They're all going to a Catholic boarding school, I think. St. Andrew's College Boarding School in Tonga. And they are super bored. And they hate it. They hate all the rules. So, they're like, you know what? Let's go on an adventure. We should leave. And the other boys are like, you know what? That's a good idea. (laughs) Where do we go? They're like, yeah, exactly. Where do they go on this island? We can go to Fiji. Oh, that kind of adventure. <laughs> or we can run away to New Zealand. Oh, okay. Fiji's 500 miles away. Oh, that's it? New Zealand is 1,500 miles away. 
That's more miles. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what what is Tongan's relationship or nature when it comes to sharing possessions? Uh, they'll give you everything. Yeah. And also, like, ownership. You don't own anything. So it's like... Oh, uh, that too, yeah. If I need that, I use that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. When I uh, got to the Philippines, one of the missionaries there, it was Tongan. And if you're Mormon, he's the AP. But he would just uh, come into our house and just start eating. It's like, eat whatever we had. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's... Uh, I was saving that. I was chill. Yeah. <laughs> but then he'd always leave, like, $5. <laughs> You wouldn't tell anybody that he'd like leave it in the fridge. <laughs> but yeah, like when it comes to ownership, it's very different in Tonga. It's like everybody what's shares. mine is yours, what's yeah, yours exactly. is mine. Because we're but, all family. But yeah. everybody will like live that actually. Because yeah. yeah. people here say that and then secretly resent. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so these these uh six boys, they're like, F school, let's go. And one of them's like, bro, like I hate this fisherman guy. And they're like, Yeah, we all hate them. So they said, let's go borrow his 25-foot boat. <laughs> so in the middle of the night one night, they sneak out there, they get all their supplies, and they borrow his boat. Now, if you guys were going on a 500, potentially 1,500-mile voyage, what would you take? Food. Lots of food. That's it. Food and water. Nothing else? Nothing else. So they, they took... Two bunches of bananas. <laughs> a, Food. A couple coconuts. Water. Water. <laughs> a pack of sausages. And a stove. Mm. Okay. They took, like you two, zero maps, <laughs> zero compass, and zero water. Bro, Polynesians didn't have no maps or compass. They, <laughs> they used the stars, stars and the bro. currents, That's, bro. Bro. This is like you ever seen Moana, bro? Still, though. <laughs> They still be using that. <laughs> I went in the mid 2000s. We're fishing with soda cans. <laughs> True. All right. So they take the boat. They set off. It's idyllic. The weather is beautiful. Everything's going good. They're like, oh, man, this is adventure. This is life. Yeah. They cast out their soda can line, pull back a fish and eat. And they're like, man, we did the right thing. You know? <laughs> and uh, David, the youngest, he's the best sailor. So like, David, like, do the thing. And so David <laughs> starts doing all this stuff, and they take off. Sun sets, beautiful tongue, and they probably see a whale. And she, <laughs> bro, they just like, they're like, man, we'd made the right really decision. Really living. Yeah. <laughs> like, secure the boat, and they all go to bed. That night, they are woken up with water coming over the top of their body. A huge storm out of nowhere. They wake up to tumultuous waves. Like the boat is about to capsize. So in a fright, they yell, you know, David, like fix it. <laughs> <laughs> so David, hurry up. He runs to the sail. They, they raise the sail. Raise the sail. Oh, Wind shit. takes the sail away. <sighs> Freak, steer us back. <laughs> they try to steer. <laughs> rudder, gone. <laughs> Dude, they're fighting for their lives. Rain, rain, call away. Yeah. <laughs> They do an anti-rain dance. <laughs> uh, their anchor, the, the anchor they had thrown down, that rips away. They are completely, without anything, drifting in the middle. And now, like, the, the storm lasts so long, they have no idea where they are. And they think, maybe we're, like, halfway to Samoa in the north. But they have no idea. Quickly, they run out of their bananas. Quickly, they run out of the coconuts. Quickly, they run out of the water. So they're, they're left eight days. 
with catching rain in a coconut husk, trying to fish, but they like get one fish or something that whole time. And they're close to like dying. Death. And they're out in the middle of nowhere. They're just aimlessly floating. It gets so bad, they can have one sip of water in the morning and one sip of water at night. That's the only liquid they have. It's, bro, I'm getting thirsty. Yeah, I'm going to take a drink, bro. <laughs> Exercise my privilege right here. Don't forget to drink water. Yes, everybody out there, stay hydrated. Yeah. All right. So it's bleak. And I'm sure they're all like, man, freak adventure, bro. This sucks. <laughs> And one night they're drifting and they're, you know, they're all in a hungry daze, no water, just lying down. And out in the distance, they see a dark mass. They see land. They get, the boat is going towards the land too. And they're thinking, man, this is, this is probably like our, our best chance at survival. We got to get to that land. So these young boys circle up and they say a prayer. And this is how I imagine it going. Something like, uh, dear Jesus Christ. <laughs> we uh we think you make a mistake because this sucks uh we see the land please help us to make it safe help us to have foods water uh maybe wife and happy <laughs> make us happy uh if you think to bring us more trial don't <laughs> or i make a bunch to the sky <laughs> Uh, and uh, please bless Tonga to always smash in the rugby. <laughs> Amen. Glory be to God. Anyway, 15-year-old Mono, everyone's weak. They're like lying ground. 15-year-old Mono's like, I'll jump in and I'll try to make it. So they say oh, their prayer. Eddie would go. Ooh, Eddie would go. And he jumps in, <sighs> battling the waves. And it's crazy because he's like a mad good swimmer, but obviously he has like zero strength in his body. Right. Makes it closer to the land, gets smashed right into the like super sharp rocks, cut, bruised, feels sand, stands up and he says the entire world spins and he like falls to his hands and knees and he's crawling, crawling, the way is crashing behind him and he puts his hand out and he feels grass and he just lays on his back, calls out into the night, I made it and energized by this, the rest of the boys jump in the water, swim to the, the island. They make it. This is night one. After maybe taking a moment to say thank you, they need water. So they search. No fresh water. And like I said, straight up cliffs. So they're just stuck on this tiny little strip of, of beach. Mm. What they do find is a pretty abundant supply of sea seabirds or seagulls. I don't know if they're the exact same, but they call them seabirds. Mm. So they find the seabird nest, crack the egg, drink the egg. But they need more water, so they take the seabird, crack the neck, and drink blood. That's hard, bro. That's hard. <laughs> they got to live, bro. That's fob. <laughs> While this is happening, boat crashes onto the rocks, destroyed. They're able to save, like, one oar, a couple strips of, like, wood. But, like, that's basically Here's it. your boat. Yeah. <laughs> God's like, can't make it that easy, bro. Uh, they're returning it to their friend because they're barring their friend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, they barred it from a dude they hated. Oh, okay. After <laughs> that old guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, it said it was like a local fisherman all the boys hated, and they unanimously were just like, yeah, we're like, we'll take his boat. <laughs> all right. 
So, I'm sure they go to sleep that night under the stars right on the beach after they drink the blood. They stand up and they're like, next day, next morning they wake up and they're like, all right, this is really serious. We got we to gotta set some rules. And they decide right there and then they're going to go back and focus on the traditional ways of their people. They, are, they have to stick together. They will open every day and close every day with a prayer and a hymn. They said, if we argue, separate, come back, and at the fire, you have to like resolve whatever's going on. They said about that, nights around the fire were for air and grievances. If anybody had something they didn't like, they talked about it. And then we say sorry. And then we pray, and everything's okay, says Sione. One of the two eldest boys who took on a leadership role, if someone got really mad, like if I planned on something, they didn't want to do it, you disappear for a few hours, look at the ocean, clear out your mind, and then come back. <laughs> and then they're also Tongan, so every day, daily exercise. You had to exercise. You had to get big. <laughs> so they're on this lower part of the island, and they're scavenging everything they can. And they live like this for the first three months. <sighs> drinking the egg, drinking the blood. And that's like what they subsided on. Anything they could catch. But like zero fire, zero shelter. The, there was like an overhang of rock and they would like sleep in that for shelter. Wow. And they would try over and over to try to get up the cliff, but it was so like steep, so dangerous. So they'd like look for other spots to try to get up. They couldn't for the first three months. Holy cow. Um, there was a outcrop halfway up the cliff that they found and they found really old primitive knives. And they used these knives to now cut like more coconut. So now they had like access mm, to water. Wow. And more energy. And they decide we've got to make it to the top. So the boys get together, they plan, and they finally find a path and they're able to make it all the way to the top of the island. And at the top of the island is a crater of a dormant volcano. But also the remnants of all the people who used to live on the island. Oh, yeah. So now they make it to the top, dude. They have like supplies, shelter, water. Oh yeah, because of the coconut water. First thing they do is they're like, "We got to start a fire." So one of the boys, he's like, "I I know how it's supposed to be done," and he sits there and he like starts making a primitive fire, a friction fire. And they said it took him like hours, but he gets the fire going. That first night they have a feast. Ooh. <laughs> And this is what they eat. Bananas, taro, tortoise, birds, wild beans, and fish. Oof. Like they make everything they can. Yeah. And, they, and so they're up in this new place. They have access to like all this new stuff. They have this big feast. Morale is up. And the boys are like kind of coming to terms that they might be here for quite a while. It's already been three past three months. Forgot to mention, while they're down on the lower part, they see a ship in the distance. They scream, they yell, and it comes and goes. Ugh. Okay, so they're up here. They have their feast. Their feast. One of them remembers, hey, my dad, he told me you can get water from the trunk of this tree. So they find this specific tree and they dig like way far down in the tree. And overnight, it fills up with like a well of water. Oh, what the? So now they have water, food. While they're sleeping at that night, they hear a rooster and they realize there's like, hundreds and hundreds of wild hen left from the Hell people who used yeah, to live there. yeah, brother. 
they quickly build like a hut out of grass, set it up, and they're they're kind of living large. Um, but while they're doing this in this new area, they're like setting up all this stuff. They come across the bones of an old man, and they kind of have a solemn moment where they gather around, they stare at this dead body, and all of them know that could easily be their fate. So they say a prayer, they dig a proper grave, and they give them a real burial. As they're setting up, out in the distance, they see another boat going by. They run to the cliffside and yell, and the boat comes and goes. Fast forward a while, they are fully into routines. They all have chores every day. They all have a role to do. They start When they started that first fire, they vowed never to let that fire go out again. Oh. So they started the fire here, they built the shelter, and they brought the fire into the shelter, and someone's job was to tend to that fire day and night. Oh. Every night they would close the prayer with like, please keep our fire alight. And every morning they woke up and that fire was still going. That's beautiful. Someone had to sit on a ledge and just watch the ocean. Just make sure they didn't miss another boat. Yeah. Uh, they had to collect eggs from like the the seabirds and they were really smart they uh they only ate as much as they could they only ate the wild seabirds mm-hmm. and it was two birds a day for all of them like not eating the hens you're saying yeah and at night they start Hella a game eggs. where they chase hens and so every night they just chase the hens through the jungle and make a game like dj <laughs> except unlike dj they're able to catch <laughs> 200 hens bro Oh. And they fashion like huge pins for them and they have 200. So now they have all the eggs they want. Hell yeah. Up in this new place, they have papaya. They have taro. They, uh, one of them, or they all remember like the plantation or the farming. So they make a full on farm. Bro, this is sounding pretty, pretty nice to me. My bad, dude. I should have been showing photos. Let's go to the next photo. So this is where Tonga is. If you'd have no idea, it's northeast of New Zealand, way out in the Pacific Ocean. Go next. It's a close-up of Tonga. So if you look, there's Tonga Tapu, the main island, Nukualofa, where they started. Mm-hmm. And where they ended up is, yeah, you can't is see it. Is it Atata? No, it's under Inu. Under Inu. Oh, what the? <laughs> way out there. So that's where the boys are. Uh, and next, they were trying to go where? Fiji? Bro, they were trying to go north. <laughs> <laughs> they made it 30 miles. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite direction. This is like the cliff they lived three months in. Shoot. Wow. Next. So they start to draw more upon the traditions of like everything they were told as kids and like the way of their people. They make a full on farm and they have like a very thriving farm going. One night they're sleeping and the boys are woken up to a loud crack. And they're looking around and all of a sudden a huge crash through the roof of their shelter. A 40-foot tree fell and landed right by where they were sleeping. Oh, Like feet away. One day they wake up, they're doing their chores. Two of the boys go out. They're collecting eggs from the wild seabird. And uh, one of them looks up, let's just say Sione looks up and sees his friend. He's going to go down and last one. And these are treacherous ass hills, like straight down. He's going to go down to this last nest and he sees him just follow over the ledge of the cliff. Terrified that he just watched his friend die. He yells for the other boys. All the boys come 
and he tells them what happened. He fell, he fell, he fell. So carefully they climb down and they peer over the edge of the cliff expecting to see the worst. Way far down there, they see their friend fallen and landed on a tiny ledge on like the side of the cliff. And he's alive. But his leg has like a compound fracture. Bone sticking out of his leg. I have no idea how, but they climb down, pick him up, and they like bring him up the cliff. They're like holding hands? Yeah. They lay him down and they, once again, like call upon the traditions of their ancestors. They, I'm sure they go get that freaking magic pesto from your grandma. <laughs> and, and they uh, start rubbing it out. Yeah, dude. They like push it in. They like put pressure on it and they do rub. And they tell him, no more working for you. Like, we'll pick up your slack. And they roast the shit out of him the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> so they call him like King Tupo every time. They're like, it's okay. You lay by the fire. I'll do your job. You know. And they just roast his ass. <laughs> Bro, they build a gym. Ooh. A primitive shit. ass gym. Sick. I have a photo in a minute, but not right now. We'll go to it in a second. Life's pretty good. They are slowly building strength. They're getting stronger. And they're like, let's try to go home. Now, remember, they think they're north. They oh, think they're like halfway yeah. to Samoa. So they build a raft. And that's what that photo was, if you want to pull that up. They build a raft. They like use all their energy and make this raft. And they set out on a voyage and they make it like less than half a mile or something away from the island and it falls apart. They have to swim back. Bro, who is there mm. taking all these pictures for them? <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll cover that. But lucky for them, they started going south because they thought they were north, like in Samoa. Yeah. And they were going south where they would have just like gone out into the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So it's like a huge blessing that their boat crashed, you know, or yeah. their raft. They would have been toast. They get back to the island, they're pretty disheartened, and they see a boat going in the distance. And it comes and goes. Oh, for three. <laughs> Bro, S- six months later, they're living like this. They build a bad, yeah, you want to pull up, pull up the next photos? Bro, that's the gym <laughs> they built. It has like a bench chair, it's like rocks and sticks and wood. <laughs> They build a gym. They're getting stronger. Everyone's healed. Everyone's happy. They're convinced at this point they're staying on the island forever. There's no rescue. Mm-hmm. They build a badminton court. They play sport. One of them builds a guitar. He what sings. The? Every day they sing hymns. They say prayers. And they're just like in this fully fledged like <laughs> Making it work for yeah, them. Yeah, society, bro. Yeah. yeah, they caught 200 chickens, badminton. Oh, they also boxed. Dude, yeah, this all sounds great <laughs> to me. Like, I'm finna leave and do that right now. <laughs> All right. So, this finally brings us up to where I started in the way beginning. One day they're doing their chores, and the lookout yells, Boat, there's a boat. Manu runs to the cliff, looks over, and there's a boat. And this boat is closer than the three or four, I think it's three or four previous boats they had seen. Yeah. They yell, they scream, they holler, and the boat like stops. And it's like they can, they think it's looking at them. Not wanting to risk it, Mono climbs down to where he can safely dive in, dives in, swims as hard as he can to the boat. Boys follow him. They're all naked. They all have shaggy hair. They're all super dark in the sun. And they swim to the boat, make it to the boat, and they say, Help, we need your help. And he says, uh, In perfect English, that's what they said, but they said, My name is Steven. 
There are six of us, and I reckon we've been here for almost 15 months. Holy cow. <laughs> so the guy, the Aussie dude who's, who's a captain of the ship, his name is uh, Peter Warner. And it's, the ship is just David. That's what it's called. He's super hesitant. They're scared. They have no idea what's going on. Right. They know that some of these perimeter islands they use to like send really bad prisoners. So they're, they're wary. And that's why they were really afraid. Mm-hmm. Finally, they're like, all right, pull them up. They pull them up and they want to test them. So they start asking them all these questions. And the boys are just answering all these questions. They really want to make sure, are you actually from Tonga? And they're like, yeah, we're from Tonga. We're from Nuku'alofa. We went to this school. They show them a picture of the queen and they're like, who's this? And they're like, oh, that's queen so-and-so. Yeah. After like a long time of interrogation, they finally convince them. They're like, oh, okay, fine. And they're like, we'll take you back. So they start their voyage. After 15 months of surviving on this island, they start making their way back home. <laughs> this story is what Lord of the Flies is based off of. Really? No way. Yeah. That's wild. In Lord of the Flies, Sean, can you like surmise what that book is about? Uh, basically, it's like uh, shipwrecked like teens, preteens, and younger kids that basically end up on this island, but it doesn't go as well. It turns into kind of like this... Uh, Hunger Games. Hunger Games, basically. Yeah, there's a kid who they call like Piggy or something, and they yeah. like want to kill him and eat him, and it like it devolves really Dude, quickly. He to become might savage. actually be killed in that. <laughs> but 100%, yeah, it devolves super fast. Just the more baser instincts of survival. So uh, they start making their way home. They get to Nuku'alofa immediately. Police arrested. What the? You stole a boat. (laughs) And the the fishermen did not like him. And he's like, I want to press charges. So they arrested him. (laughs) Uh, Can they prove they stole the boat? Yeah. Well, like the boys confessed. But Uh, they get back and they're like, we thought you were dead. Dude, funerals have been held. All of you have had funerals. All of your families think you're dead. It's this huge like celebration after they like got arrested. Yeah, they get arrested. I think maybe Peter, the the fisherman, kind of like helped take care of whatever <laughs> funds or fees. So they, the boys are actually from like a smaller island, not the main island. Mm-hmm. So they take them home, and there is footage of this. But uh, as they're coming home to their island, the entire population of the island is standing on the beach, what? waiting for them, That's like wild. singing, praying, crying. The boat like comes close to the shore. Their mothers run into the ocean, grab their boys. They have the biggest feast. Like everyone on the island is there. They're just like rejoicing, happy family. They're back. They're they're you know, it's just the best. And they have a huge feast. And in this feast, they have this certain type of crab that's only near Tonga. And Peter, the the, the Aussie dude, is like, dude, this is the best crab he's ever had in his life. King of Tonga is so happy. You've done this beautiful thing for my country. Peter, what do you want? I'll give you something. <laughs> and Peter says, I want to open up a fishing company out of Tonga. Fishing these crabs. These are the best crabs I've ever had. King of Tonga says, done. <laughs> and Peter looks at the six boys and says, do you guys want to come work for me? And the six boys say, yes. And so they get to live their life of adventure like on the sea. <laughs> they work for them. He mo- eventually Peter moves to Tonga and him and Mono are like close friends. Mono talks about Peter as being like a father to him. <laughs> and for 30 years, he's like lives on Tonga. He's one of his best friends and they work and they build this like fishing crabbing empire together. That's sick. 
Um, Peter actually passed away last year doing what he loved. He was like 95, 96, 97 or something like that. He was out boating and his, his boat flipped, capsized, and he passed away. At 95? Mm. Yeah. Shoot. Um, Karen, she told this story on My Favorite Murder, and yeah. she wraps it up, and it's so beautiful, and she makes poignant points. And I was like kind of teary-eyed thinking about it. So if you want something that's really well delivered, go listen to that. But basically what she's saying is like every you know kid in the West grows up reading Lord of the Flies. And that story is a, a story about children on an island who like war yeah. each other. There's a lot of um, huge rift between them. And it ultimately ends in death. Yeah. And she said, I think we should instead study the true story of the Lord of the Flies and the story of these boys who like in the time of turmoil came together, mm-hmm. worked together and drew upon like the traditions of their people and were able to survive. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And that is the story. Do you want to go to the last photo? That's them with uh, Peter and they're starting their company. And I think there might be one more and here's them. Here's the boys. That's the story of the Tongan castaways. That's wild. That's Delph. So this story was like out there in the ether. It was covered by a paper in Australia. Uh-huh. And they took a crew out to Tonga and they filmed. Like the boys took them back to Ata. And that's why I have all those pictures. Uh, yeah. Because they told the story themselves. And they're like, yeah, we lived here for three months and just drank these freaking seabirds. And then we went up there. <laughs> so you can watch this documentary. It's so dope. And it was kind of out there in the ether floating around. And someone found it on a blog and they were like, yo, like this story needs to be known more. And so it's an author. I can't remember his name. Let me just look real quick. It's a humankind, a hopeful history by Rutger Bregnum. And you can get that on Amazon. So he like wrote an article, 60 minutes covered it and like did this whole documentary thing on it. So it's pretty freaking wild. I pulled up some, I think the footage from the homecoming. You guys wanted to see it. Oh, sick. Families don't think we have changed too much. A few of us had girlfriends too. Perhaps they won't remember. Along the waterfront, the word was spreading, our boys have come back. Then it was time, time for laughter and for tears, for smiles and words of endearment as the long heartache eased. He's like, Ma, (laughs) I've been away for 15 months. Why you smother? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going back to the island. Wow. It's pretty cool. That's if a cool you have story. Time, you should watch this thing. It's it's touching. It's crazy. But yeah, Ooh. it makes you wonder, like, if that if if we were in that situation or like in a group in that situation of just like lost. Well, like, well first of all, I'm not Tongan, so I couldn't do half of what they did. <laughs> like carry their homie up the, the cliff, you know. I just be like, "You're dead. I'm sorry." <laughs> <laughs> Throw down big rocks to end your misery. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you were you were trying to go away with the boat, and I was like, I'm gonna see what's up. Go away with the boat? Oh, yeah, when yeah, they yeah. They, yeah, from last week. Oh yeah. Like nah, bro. Nah, effectively bro. murdered them. Dude, my people. How dare you, dude? <laughs> JK. That's a really heartwarming story. It's dope, I love bro. that. When I've I heard, heard it, I was that, like, I want to share it with you guys. Dude, I want to talk to my dad about that. He's probably, dude. Oh, pull up the photo, the last one. The bottom right is your little brother and dad, bro. Look at that. That's like Bubba's face. The bottom right? Yeah. I don't know. To me, he looks like a cousin. Yeah. 
It's almost like they're also Tongan. <laughs> <laughs> a tiny island. It's like a thousand of them. Um, yeah, talk to your dad. See if he knows anything. I will. Uh, is that you? That's me. Dude, uh, I might call an audible with my stories. I just found... You might what? Call an audible, audible with my stories. So... Uh, the details on this are pretty hazy, so I'll try my best. But continuing along a somewhat similar theme with uh, the Pacific and historical events. So the U.S. was testing atom bombs, right? World War II. Like Micronesia or something, like Kitabis and stuff? This is how they yeah. created Godzilla, I think. Yeah, I'll get to that in a second. So... uh. They were searching for areas to test because originally they were in New Mexico. And I think they're about 50 miles south of Albuquerque. And they tested the atom bomb. And I think the the lead scientist on it said that none of us on the entire team that worked on this preconceived the actual results. Like it was just that much... More, uh, powerful. more powerful and drastic than any of us dreamed of, thought of. They still had some some tweaking to do, and they kept doing testing after bombing Japan. So they're like, we need to find some place to do this. So what do they do? They sail around the Pacific, and they find an atoll. So this atoll, it's not even an island. It's like a skinny strip of land, and if you look at it, it's like a ring. There's water in the middle. But there are inhabitants there. And the name of the atoll is called Bikini. Oh. Have you heard of this? Yes. The Bikini Atoll. Bro. Yeah. So Kalima will pull it up on screen. That's the Bikini Atoll. So there's inhabitants there. And they say this is the perfect uh, place to test the bomb, they're going to test it in the water. Uh, but they get there, and the U.S. Navy or the military is trying to convince them to move away from the island. They say, the we want, yeah, the people. They say, we want to borrow your island. Borrow your island. Yeah, much like the boat. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to borrow your island. And there's videos of the people. So actually, I think National Geographic goes down with them to to do this whole thing so it's so this process is extensive and they want to market it make it propaganda for the people back home and they have the people reenact these white people coming on ships and landing and uh, uh bringing them gifts and saying we want to we want to uh, borrow your island for some testing or whatever uh and they use uh basically religion to convince them they said like god has sent us like the good lord jesus like wants this to happen this is a good thing they convince them and the people are like okay thank you and there's videos of them getting on the boats and like waving at everybody and this is heartbreaking bro and they take them away and they commence their testing obviously okay first of all this bomb is i think at least three times bigger than the ones that they dropped in Japan. Obviously, there's 
no place for these people to return back to. Yeah. So, and uh, Kalima just, just brought up the picture. This sparks a huge controversy. There are people in the States who are livid about this and rightfully so. Um, but this uh, it becomes like a cultural shift. This is where the term the bomb becomes like popular. Like, like that's the bomb? Yeah. Like people say like, oh, yeah, that's the, oh, this food is the bomb or whatever. You know? um, atomic was a really like popular word back then. Like you describe to you'd say it to describe somebody who was cool. Mm. Like that girl's atomic or. Uh, it, it was just, it created this whole cultural shift. Uh, China. That girl's Hiroshima, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Flat. Uh, China took this and used it and uh, cre- used it to create a story of how the U.S. made this bomb and from it came a radioactive beast. Are you and, sure? And That's terror- not terrorizes, Japan? terrorizes the Pacific. That's Japan made that. No, China made Godzilla originally. Do not take that away from me. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm wrong. Like I said, the details are fuzzy. I know it's a Japanese thing, but I think they marketed it to Japan Mm. as propaganda. So Japan, like, took it on. Uh, A famous uh, fashion designer in France named his new scanty beachwear bikini. Just because it was a popular word, like the word bikini wasn't used before that. No, what, named dude? named his uh, new fashion trend bikini just because it was a popular word and people were talking about it. And Bro, they also, need to change that. And dog. also the symbolism of it because <laughs> Let's cancel that shit. Because dude, how come bikinis haven't been canceled? Yeah, the symbolism of it too. Because before that, like it was all about like dressing modestly. So this was like something taboo yeah. you couldn't do. Just like how. Like stealing an island, like it was wrong, you know. You want to know why? Because no one gives a shit about Micronesians, bro. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. But uh, that's the story of uh, the bikini atoll, how the bikini came to be Godzilla. Bro, there's more to uh, that story. Are you gonna go into it? I was doing a bunch of research, aka watching a ton of YouTube, and I didn't get through all of it. But that was like 20 minutes worth of what I what I did watch. Just to wrap it up a tiny bit more, this is also the theory and origin story of Bikini Bottom. Oh, what? yes, yes, with SpongeBob. SpongeBob. They did talk about that. Yeah. And it's like he they live in Bikini Bottom. All of the creatures are supposed to be a result of like radioactive mm-hmm. uh, things. So like a sponge who has like... You know what I mean? A, a plankton, all these friends and stuff, they're all like radioactive. The flowers in the sky in SpongeBob are like supposed to be explosions. Yeah. It's all based off that. Bro. Yeah. That conspiracy though. <laughs> Crazy, dude. That that bomb is the reason why Micronesians like they pretty much have a free pass to become US citizens. Yeah. And access to like US healthcare and stuff. Huh. So a lot, that's the reason why a lot of Micronesians are in Hawaii because it's the closest place. They that's just America. completely wiped out their home. That's wild. Freak, dude. That's Super crazy. I love that. Yeah. I hate that, Terrifying. but I love hate it. Love it. Learning about it. All of it. Yeah. Uh, the story I did prepare tonight, I'll give a little preface uh, because it's going to be the bonus. Oh. Uh, I'll give you a little taste, but it 
uh, we're continuing uh, the theme of uh, the water. And uh, we're taking it to the other side of the planet, uh, much colder. It's Russia. Ugh. I mean, sweet. So in the 1900s, a Russian submarine was traveling. And on their radar, they see six objects traveling in formation, heading towards them at speeds of over 260 miles an hour. They stop, and so does the unidentified craft on their radar. Fearing for the worst, the captain of the submarine calls for an emergency surfacing. They start moving up. He's and like, hell no. Nah. <laughs> I think they're about 300 meters underwater, which isn't super deep. Uh, they start heading up, and they can see somehow through their radar that the aircraft is also moving up and following with them. Wait, is it an aircraft up in the air, or is no, it somewhere? in the water. Okay. In the water. So whatever kind of craft. It's like in the water and it's surfacing with them. Yeah. For frick, bro. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Um, the captain is quoted. Uh, Yuri Bek- Beketov he says, we repeatedly observed that the instruments detected uh, the movements of material objects at unimaginable speed. Said that the speed, it's hard enough to travel 250 miles an hour on land, let alone in water. And I think the current world record for the fastest, like, craft, underwater craft, is like 230. And it's like in knots, so you don't even really know. It's yeah. like <laughs> a lot of knots. <laughs> um, but this, uh, whatever these uh, unidentified uh, underwater crafts are, it's mimicking them. And they get to the surface. And it gets even crazier. And that's what I'll be sharing for <laughs> our patrons. So uh, patrons and non-patrons, uh, head to our link in our Instagram bio. It'll take you to our Patreon page where you can listen to this story. So we're here at the surface of the ocean, the Russian submarines. And they have these unidentified crafts following them all right we back what up every other listener (laughs) you guys just missed a giant story bro that was the biggest one yet (laughs) had me uh feeling the bends bro (laughs) had my blood boiling uh no that was freaking crazy and i'm mind blown i've kind of like wanted to go to lake baikal like so of the places in russia that i've wanted to go to like Baikal, Kamchatka, like a couple of just crazy outdoor places are one of some of the places I've wanted to go. And this kind of makes me second guess that. <laughs> my my list of places to go in Russia, uh, nowhere in Russia is number one. <laughs> Anywhere else is number two. Did Kalima's uh, wife was a, a sister missionary for the church in Russia. That's so crazy. I think St. Petersburg yeah. and Moscow would be cool too. She was in um, Siberia. Oh, Oof. yeah. She has crazy stories. Did she huh? go to the Ural yeah. Mountains? Yeah, she was in the Ural Mountains. That's freaking wild. I saw there was a documentary on YouTube of like the day in the life of this poor Siberian woman. Holy shit, bro. <laughs> the bleakest thing I'd ever seen. She like wakes up. It's like 40 below. <laughs> 
She has like salted water for breakfast. And her job, she like walks in the frozen forest and tries to find berries. And she tries to collect berries and then sell the them. Frozen berries? Dude, it's so bleak. Why are everything you there? is muddy, everything's sloshy, everything is sad and gray and move. Vodka and sh- I like, <laughs> vodka. Move. Yeah, I literally. Know. I know, For like real. the people in Nevada, it's like, what are you doing, bro? Like, go anywhere. It doesn't have to be like Take a direction and walk. <laughs> <laughs> Could be different. Yeah. Anyway, be your own change in your life out there. Make moves. Be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Uh, tonight was super fun. Yeah, no, it was a good time. I loved it. Got Listeners, some good stories. We could not do this without you. Thank you so much. We continue to grow. And uh, yeah, big things to come. Yes, yes, yes. Until next week, uh, bye, love you, be safe. Uh, trust your gut, watch your back. Wait, hold on, give me a second. Be, be careful out there. <laughs> See you, folks. I feel gross, bro. <laughs> yeah, no. I couldn't. I legit couldn't remember my. Five hundred to say. I'm glad you caught on. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Three AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon, where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM Pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We love any audio or visual aids that can help bring your stories to life. So file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. Hi, I'm Sean McCabe. And I'm Carrie McCabe. We are, well, married, obviously, (laughs) but we're also obsessed with the darker side of things. True crime stories, alien abductions, poltergeists. If it leaves you scratching your head and keeping those lights on at night, we want to hear about it. That's why we host the podcast Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Every week, we bring our listeners a true story guaranteed to send chills down your spine, from history's most brutal serial killers to the mystery of spontaneous human combustion. Yep, lots of these stories leave unanswered questions behind, and you'll get to poke through the rubble of the evidence with a hardened skeptic and... Someone whose mind is more open to fun. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. (laughs) You can find Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie wherever you get your podcasts, and on social media at Ain't It Scary. Come play with us. Twenty-four hours ago, I found out the person I'd been dating and seeing for the last six months as a con man. That is my sister Emma. Andrew Tonks's lies had been so convincing; she'd invested three hundred thousand dollars with him. However, the tables were about to turn on Andrew. What he didn't know was that Emma had discovered his real identity. But to get any chance of justice, Emma had to act like it was business as usual. Coming up in this series, and that's when murder, all this stuff goes through my mind. I'm really, really scared. I'm assuming Sarah has watched too much Netflix and figures I've been defrauding you. Couldn't be further from the truth. That's what this was, a real-life story that seems so unbelievable, but it was actually true. A true story that all starts with one simple, 
Swipe to the right. I'm Sarah Ferris. And I'm Emma Ferris. And this is my story, Conning the Con. <laughs> 